Welcome to Singapore, ladies and gentlemen, and to all Singaporeans and residents of Singapore, a warm welcome home. Today's guest is John Sharp, managing partner at the Hatcher Plus, a data-driven venture capital firm that uses AI and machine learning-based technologies to identify the investment opportunities in partnership with the leading accelerators and investors. Hey, John, thank you so much for joining us today. David, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Myself and my background. So I know we have limited time, so I'll give you the short version. Um, so basically, uh, left school, worked in satellite uh, content and infrastructure in the 90s, um, uh, then went and started a cybersecurity company in 2000 in the U.S., uh, that was super fun. We uh, sold to a lot of uh, the large telcos and cable systems over there. Um, ended up buying an antivirus company and selling that technology to Google and Microsoft and uh, and a whole bunch of Symantec and McAfee and a whole bunch of other players. So it was fun to sort of see inside big technology companies, understand how they work. Um, sold that business um, in, uh, in 2011, moved back to Singapore and uh, started doing some angel investing, and that ended up um, becoming part of a group of angel investors, which was our first first uh, investment um, holding company, which was Hatcher One. Mm-hmm. Um, that's done pretty well. We're, we're sitting at, at the end of um, year eight now with about a 20% IRR um, to a 2.1x um, return. So we're pretty happy with that. At the end of year 10, we, we, we think that'll be a, a, a top quartile result, and, and that's uh, that's sort of brings us to where we are now. But we started doing... Uh, a new strategy that I think we're going to talk a bit about today, um, Hatcher Plus. In uh, 2017, we started aggregating an enormous amount of data from the industry um, with a view to really trying to conceptualize what the industry is going to be like in 10 years. And uh, that's really what's consumed my partner, Dan Hookturp, and me for the last three years is just trying to figure out what does venture capital look like in 2030 versus 2020? I mean, what kind of tools will we be using? How will we be selecting deals? Will we still be doing all this staging stuff? But just trying to figure out, yeah, generally where that's all going. So that's really what I'm super focused on today. Yeah, that's very interesting. In fact, uh, as you know, the, my entire background is uh, about a finance, banking, investments. So I yeah. work with. I had a chance to work with uh, like a venture capital, private equity fund, other the alternative asset manager, but. Interestingly, even though the, everybody says they have a unique strategy, they are, uh, to me, it seems like everybody's underwriting pre process is very much the same, right? Same as yeah, bank, exactly. right? Yeah. They, they, we are ticking the box, right? Yeah. So if I ask, how did you identify the, I mean, the uh, good target for the investment? They said uh, it's about the people, it's about the, I mean, the market or right timing. But in fact, in fact, it is a very difficult to differentiate, right? You know, what's fascinating is uh, I, you know, we obviously all go to conferences and we sit on panels mm-hmm. and we try and say intelligent things. Um, what I find myself, I, I find myself at these conferences being the guy that's sitting there saying, well, actually, we looked at that as a strategy and, and we looked at the numbers and we didn't think it made sense. And one good example of that is, is people always say about, you know, yes, it's about the teams. And I, I think that's that's absolutely true. But it's so much more about the CEO and, and, and where I think people make mistakes um, in venture investing, really fundamental mistakes, is they think that if they've got a broken CEO, they think they can fix them. 
They think that with the right amount of coaching and the right amount of help and everything that this guy will eventually come good. And that's never been my experience. Typically, you're good to start with. I mean, you know what you're doing. You're a leader. You, you know, you're a hardworking person. You've got grit. You've got all the qualities. And, and so what I find myself saying at conferences is, is, uh, is really we try to avoid situations where we have to spend a lot of time with the startup. Um, because we find that the more we we when we looked at our first fund, we found the more time that we spent with the startup, the worse they did. There wasn't a positive correlation um, between the time that we spent coaching someone and the output. And the rationale there, or the reason for that, is just quite simply: if you're doing a lot of coaching, you don't have the right quality person running the company. And I said this on a panel in Dubai. That's interesting. Guy, <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah, very, very, uh, very, very popular comment. But the guy next to me from Kuwait Life Sciences um, agreed with me, and he had said this beautiful quote. He said, "He said if you find yourself adding a lot of value to a portfolio company, you probably have the wrong CEO." <laughs> I said, "That's just perfectly encapsulated." So, so I think if you a lot of VCs spend a lot of time trying focused on their their companies that are not doing so well, rather than trying to help the companies that are doing great do even better, and and so if they if there's just one fundamental thing I'd change about what we did the first time around, I would spend more time with the companies that are doing great, yeah, staying out of their way, but just doing what I can to help, and and less time just trying to coach coach ourselves out of a out of a, a losing situation. Okay, got you. So uh, I read the description of your business model as a hatcher is uh, uses a deep learning partnership with the leading early stage investor to invest in great company please tell us a little bit about the what what the hatcher's business model is i, I don't really understand uh, reading yeah. the, this uh, description yeah, and it's interesting. A lot. We I actually wrote a blog that's available on Hatcher.com. I'm mm-hmm. um, just about how we use AI because I think a lot of people think that we're using AI to select deals, mm-hmm. and what we're actually using AI to do is more kind of like a team of analysts. We use the AI to figure out what a deal is like when it comes through the door. We hand it to our AI, and the AI comes back and says. We think the team is great. We think it's uh, a, an investment that impact investors would find interesting. We think it's in a really hot trending area, um, et cetera. So it'll, it'll make these determinations. The AI will, will compare it with, um, with the, the you know, 600,000 transactions we have in our database, and it'll make, it'll make judgment calls based on, on those. But when that information comes back, what we always make the point for, for us and our partners that are using the information, where we say, look, it's just guidance. It's just an idea. It's just analysis. And, and it's a bit like when a junior analyst walks into a room and says to the senior partner, you must invest in these deals. These guys are great. And the senior partner goes, no, this, this whole sector is like oversold. I'm not convinced this is the future. I'm not going to do the deal. There's always that capacity to, to basically step in as humans and say, no, yes. I, I yeah, you know, this may be scoring badly, but I really believe in the team. So what we do with our AI is we use it simply to filter deals and to rank deals so that we make sure that the deals that appear to be better quality um, get, get towards the top of the stack. That's what we use it for. And then we use our business process automation just to make the whole process far more um, far more efficient. Like 
I, with, with our system, I can produce an LP report in three seconds. I can do a valuation memo in about five seconds. So everything it used to take mountains of time uh, within the context of a venture fund now takes far less time. And I can spend that time more productively. So really what our, what our deep learning capability and what our business process automation capabilities are about is just about making venture more efficient and yes. making what we do more efficient and then offering that as a service to other yes. venture capital companies that want to do the same thing. Uh, it sounds like a great idea because, uh, <laughs> I mean, I work with uh, a lot of smart people, right? You can imagine working at the multinational finance company. Exactly. Bank, but we, I mean, we are familiar with the situation. We work with a very smart, super smart people with a fantastic background. But problem is a human, human being has a blind spot. Right. No matter how smart you are, you have a blind spot, right? You are the you you are the I mean influenced by your bias, prejudice, your unique experience. Yeah. And uh, if you on high level, if you can leverage AI to uh, uh, the the mitigate those blind spot and then filter the deal in a more the uh, non biased way, uh, that could be a, a huge edge, I guess. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I think another function of being a smart guy is mm -hmm. your desk ends up full of stuff. And yeah. so if you're if you're the smartest guy at the firm, you're going to end up with a desk full of tasks and projects and things that people right. want you to work on. Yeah. And, and so what AI can do is it can basically say to you, look, this stuff over here, this is what you should really focus on versus this stuff over here. And so, I mean, a lot of people get scared about AI. I mean, AI is, is decades away from, from being even slightly threatening. What it is is a great way... Of, of just eliminating, you know, grunt work and, and stuff that's uninteresting and allowing us to focus on the, the truly interesting stuff. Yes, yes. So please tell us about your investment strategy and the strike zone in terms of a forecast sector and geography market, ticket size, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. Yeah, so, so basically we're geographically agnostic. We try and do 50% of our deals in the Americas. Um, about 25% in Europe, um, MENA, Africa, and about 25% in Asia, Oceania. So that's sort of, but they're very rough guidelines. We, it's just, a, there's no real rules there. We're completely industry agnostic. Um, there must be technology involved. There must be an ability to scale and put, you know, lots and lots of money to work over time. Um, but aside from that, we, we don't really um, discriminate uh, in, in terms of, you know, the kinds of companies that come to us. Um, when it comes to the types of founders that apply for our funding, um, one of the things I'm very proud of about our technology is that we remove gender references, we remove other kinds of biases that humans have, um, whether it's you know, from other people, people from other countries or you know, with, uh, in different languages or whatever, we remove all that and we basically peel it back to what is the idea, how good is the idea, how big is the idea, and, and, uh, and, and try and figure it out that way. Um, in terms of our investment strategy, um, we tend to team up with people that have really strong deal flow. Uh, so we go looking for leading accelerators, pre-seed, seed stage VCs, angel networks, and we see really strong deal flow through those guys. We see about, in the last 500 days, we've seen about 26,000 deals um, through our platform. That's a lot. Yes. Uh, we, we have a strategy of investing in 1% or less of our deal flow. So right now we're sitting at about 130 um, deals uh, in in total. So that's great. That's exactly where we want to be um, where we want to be sitting. 
Uh, we typically put fifty to hundred thousand dollars to work in the first stage, and that's typically at a formation stage. So this is the first money into the company, and quite often this is the first cash money because sometimes with accelerator programs, a lot of what's contributed is in kind. So we're actually putting cash in alongside the accelerators, um, you know, human resources and and rent and all the other things that they put on the table. We put some cash there. And that de-risks everybody. It enables them to do some marketing, maybe do some hiring, buy some equipment, um, do some research, and that's super helpful. So we generally go in the very, very first round we can. That's formation stage. We then follow on in pre-seed, then seed, and then series A. And and that's where we stop. We don't invest past series A, and we don't put more than $500,000 per company in its lifetime to work. Uh, you don't you don't invest more than five hundred thousand in startup. That's it, and we generally will do that across three or four okay. rounds. So uh, you are giving uh, startup founders a very very necessary money in the in the beginning, right? Yeah, we think it's and it's not just the founders. We think it de-risks everybody by coming in super early, mm-hmm. and our math shows that if we take an option at that time, which is essentially what we're doing when we invest in a CN super early stage. Um, if we take that option, um, it, it washes out pretty well. If we if we select a higher quality accelerator or, or pre-seed VC, um, typically they'll see a drop off of around 24% between rounds, um, whereas more typically in the industry as a whole, you'll see a drop off of around 48%, 50%. So if you invest with the right guys and you do your numbers and you do your diligence, uh, you can get into these deals. And, and actually make money within the first couple of rounds, you can see some significant uplift. We've got we've got some companies we invested in 18 months ago that are now nearly 10x, 6x, 5x, 4x um, that uh, in terms of multiples um, already. So so you only need a couple of companies that are doing those kind of numbers um, to to forgive the folks that that yeah, fall off the tree. I see. Uh, among your portfolio company. Uh, can you introduce one or two you are uh, bullish about? You think that, that, that it was a great investment? I think with our, with our early stage guys, it's a little too early still to know, but there are a couple of outstanding guys. From, from our first fund, uh, we invested in um, a legal services company called Thought River um, that's absolutely groundbreaking. They're now based out of Cambridge in England, and we just love those guys. We think they're doing fantastic work. Um, in our current fund, uh, we invested in a company called Dataplore. And what Dataplore is attempting to do is basically build a Dun and, Drad- and Bradstreet for uh, Latin America. So they're, they're a, a data provider, um, but they're doing just a fantastic job of aggregating data on small businesses. So there's just two examples of companies that we're really proud to be associated with because they're both revolutionizing huge markets. One is revolutionizing the massive market that is law firms mm-hmm. um, and legal services, and the other's yeah, revolutionizing the massive massive market that's Latin America. So, so between those two companies, yeah, that's just two very small examples out, out of over a hundred that the of people that are doing really good work. Okay, thank you. Okay, what is the next step on top of your mind and then the long term vision for your fund? So it's a great question. We we see a, a few things happening in venture capital at the moment that are, that are unsurprising for people that are that are deeply involved. And certainly unsurprising for you. And one of the things we see happening is there's a lot of capital coming into this market. Um, and we're talking like tens, hundreds of millions of dollars that are flowing in from family offices and people that want to get into venture capital. There's a few drivers for that, quantitative easing times three, you know, times 15 years or how long it's been going on now. Um, 
the lack of other sensible places to put um, capital at the moment, public markets, people feel they're pretty toppy. Crypto is incredibly volatile. Um, uh, uh, real estate, who knows what's going on with commercial real estate post-COVID, we don't know. So there's a lot of sort of things that are up in the air at the moment. And people view private markets as a fairly reliable way to make money on a, on a five to 10 year period. You can look across the last, last 20, 25 years, even the last 40 years, and, and generally you'll see a very consistent outcome if you select the right places to put your capital. So we see a lot of capital coming into the markets um, for good reasons. They're going to make a good return um, if, if they select their, their, their manager well. The second thing that we see happening here is we see decision timeframes compressing a lot. And that's partly because of this capital that's coming in. So it used to be 15 years ago, you'd have three or four months to do a deal. And then about five years after that, it went to sort of three or four weeks. And now in the Valley, if there's a hot deal floating around town, you've got three or four days to get a term sheet in front of that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if you're not a name brand VC, you've really got to work very, very fast to get in on that deal. And so we ask ourselves the question, what drives that decision time frame to three or four hours? At you know, what point does it go to three or four minutes? And you can see this is a duplication of what happened in the 90s with public equities, where it used to be you'd have all day to sort of think about doing a trade of you know, AT&T or whatever, yep. um, or IBM. And, and then suddenly by the end of the 90s, those trades are happening in microseconds. So what we see happening in, tech, in, in venture and in the technology associated with venture is this massive compression of decision timeframes, the massive amount of capital flow flowing in, an inability to basically deal with the data, except if you're like us and you've invested a ton of money in deep learning. So what we see going forward, and Gardner sees this as well, Gardner predicts that by 2025, 75% of VCs will use some form of AI to help with decision-making. Now, we're investing $3 million a year in, in AI and developing those technologies. We'll be ready for 2025. We're ready now. Um, a lot of other people are not investing yet. So what we want to be is a core provider of those kind of technologies by 2025 to the industry and, and kind of an open source of that kind of, uh, of data and technology such that people can keep up, they can do the decisions in the required amount of timeframes, and they can put the capital to work that they want to put to, to work. So, so we're trying to build a better mousetrap here in line with the way that we see capital, uh, see the venture markets evolving. Yes. Having said that, you, uh, your business model are, uh, is much better equipped to deal with the new trend, right? We hope so. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Thank you so much for taking time introducing your the interesting platform to make investment, help the entrepreneur to grow the business. Thank you so much, David. And anyone that's interested, please go to hatcher.com and, and check us yes. out. We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and drop me a review. Bye. <laughs>